Welcome into another edition of Sportball with Squam, Stogie, and Skull Dog. I'm Dick Trickle. With me, as always, are my good friends Seth and Kyle. Boys, how we doing? Thicky Rubio, actually, aka Stogie Barone. Seth, how the hell are you though? I'm doing great. Living the dream. I'm making pizza as we speak, so life is good. Wow. Really a way to peel back the curtain for our five years. That's right. Just behind the scenes look or listen I would, into my life. I would also like to mention that really the opposite of what I normally do for these podcasts. I'm wearing no underwear today. But pants. <laughs> yeah, Very so. strange. Riddle me that, am I right, Batman? All right. So. I dressed up for this occasion. I'm wearing jeans today. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Color me impressed. All right, so... For this podcast, we wanted to actually discuss the NBA and the NFL. My God. Shocking, right? And really just the news that's happened in both of these leagues since the last time we spoke with all of our five listeners. So first, we're going to talk NFL for the first half of this podcast. So all you NBA heads, just listen anyway, because <laughs> we're a delight to listen to, obviously. <laughs> All right, but on a serious note, we want to discuss the news in the NFL from this weekend. Um, Kareem Hunt was caught on video uh, beating a woman in a hallway of a hotel room. And by hallway of a hotel room, I would say I'm in a hallway outside of a hotel room. And TMZ acquired the video and just released it, was it Friday, I believe? Yep. And then... This is, an, this is an incident that happened earlier this year, I believe, February. Yeah, February, I I'm say. pretty sure. And, um... But they're also... The team, the team... Go ahead. Go ahead. They're also investigating two other incidences, too, that have come up now. Sure. And the team was aware of it, but how much were they aware of? We're not quite sure. Um, but the video was released by Team Z on Friday, and then the Chiefs released Kareem Hunt shortly thereafter. So, um... I don't know, I guess I'll just start, but just um, just hearing this news really just made me dis- disheartened, and I don't know, you just you root for these players, and just time and time again, things like this come up, and it just it just makes you regret rooting for those players, and it it's hard for me to even justify to someone, you know, why I, I love the NFL, why I enjoy consuming the NFL when something like this happens, you know. They make it very hard to root for the league, and it just, I don't know what they need to do, but they need to do something because it seems to be a trend, and it always seems to be handled poorly, and I you know I think that's an issue that goes all the way to the top with Roger Goodell, and I think it's, you know, it, uh, it's also really goes back to this problem we have in society with um, toxic masculinity and just men thinking this is an okay way to act and you know while it might be more in the news when an NFL player does it you know it's definitely helping elsewhere too that's something to remember but I don't know I think it was it was poorly handled by the league I mean Roger Goodell hasn't even come out and said anything I mean where is he for this type of situation right and the team you know they said Kareem Hunt lied to them and while that might be true how come TMZ has this video and the NFL and the team can't even get the video? I mean, these, these, the NFL and the teams usually do an investigation, but it's usually a joke and it, it usually doesn't really 
you know, garner any information. And sometimes, a lot of times, these these cases, right, they'll be dropped by the court or the charges will be dropped, which is another prevalent issue, I would say, in domestic abuse cases. But the NFL and the team still has a responsibility to do their own investigation properly. And I just don't feel like that is done often in these cases. Yeah, I appreciate uh, what you're saying, Sam, especially um, what you're talking about with kind of wanting to provide the context of a larger societal issue. Um, For our five listeners who may not know, um, I work as an advocate for people who've experienced sexual assault and domestic violence and human trafficking. Um, So I probably see this in my day-to-day life a lot more often than others might. So that's Mm -hmm. obviously part of my perspective, but I hear what you're saying about like being embarrassed to have cheered for Kareem Hunt before this, before you aware of this and and things like that. But I don't, um, I know I've read in the past that like, even though it seems like the NFL is ridden with players who end up getting charged with crimes, um, statistically NFL players are no more likely to commit crimes than the general population. So I think it's definitely fair to um, criticize the systemic problems that are within like the NFL organization, the league, the teams themselves, um, owners, that kind of thing. Um, but like you said, it's, it's a broader societal issue and it's not just that um, this type of masculinity is confined just to athletes or just to football players. Um, Definitely there's aspects of how we teach men and boys to behave through sports, right? When we tell boys on the football field that they have to be tough and that if you fall down, you have to get up immediately and show that you're a man and try to knock other people out and show that you're more aggressive and that you're fearless and that you want to intimidate other players, right? But it's definitely a, a larger issue. Um, and the other thing that I would say is we talked about this, like Kyle mentioned this earlier, but kudos to the Chiefs for releasing Kareem Hunt um, promptly mm-hmm. and after the video was released to the media. And I think there's some value in like fans supporting the Chiefs for doing that, and maybe that sends a message to other teams that this is what we want you to do. But at the same time, it's very frustrating that teams and organizations will only do something if there's video evidence. And also, you know, Kareem Hunt's teammate, Tyreek Hill, um, lost a civil suit, I believe, um, for domestic violence, including strangulation, and pled guilty to that charge. Um, It wasn't a criminal case, so there's a difference there in how the court process works. Um, And there's a lot of different reasons why sometimes civil cases are the way that victims and survivors choose to go as opposed to a criminal case, because, um, you know, with a civil case, you can kind of have a little bit more agency over how it goes and you can hire a lawyer yourself. Whereas a criminal case, um, the way the criminal justice system works in the United States is that, in the eyes of the system, a crime doesn't happen to a victim. It happens to the state. So, mm-hmm. 
you don't have a lawyer as a victim. It's you're the county attorney or the district attorney who is doing the case. And so they might feel like there's not enough evidence to go forward. Um, Criminal cases have a high burden of proof, it's called. So you've probably heard beyond a reasonable doubt, right? So that takes a lot to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt. And oftentimes with these types of cases, right, there might not be any witnesses because the nature of the crime. So anyways, that's a, a kind of deep dive into the whole criminal justice system, but it gives you a taste into why there's all these different reasons for um, different Mm -hmm. types of cases and why people are often reluctant to come forward and why oftentimes, especially athletes and anyone with a lot of money and power and prestige um, cases end up getting dropped against them. And if you see that, Oh, you know, so-and-so Kobe Bryant was accused of sexual assault, but the case was dropped. Oh, it must've been a false accusation. That's not really most likely the case. We know that false accusations are very rare and that those types of crimes are underreported. So it's probably more likely just an injustice built into the system than someone calling rape. Um, So, again, we could talk about this for a long time, um, but... I think that kind of the takeaways are this is a much larger societal systemic issue. Um, we want to encourage the NFL and all of the teams to have a good response when this happens. I agree, Sam, with what you're saying that that's not really been happening so far, and it shouldn't just be taking action when there's when there's video evidence. Is kind of how I feel about this. Yeah. Um, and we'll circle mm-hmm. back to some of these topics. Um, when we talk about some NBA stuff later on as well. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in real quick, Kyle, before uh, you jump in. But I was just going to say, yeah, when you're, when you're talking about how the there's less likely uh, that an NFL player commits a crime than, than a, in society, I think that maybe why it irks me so much is just the way that the crimes are handled by the NFL mm-hmm. as opposed to other... Um, systems because if you look at it and I, I don't know I might get these this number of games wrong but I think the the minimum uh domestic violence suspension is two games and then the minimum like failed drug test for marijuana is like four games it's like you and know Colin what are we Kaepernick doesn't have a job because right? he knelt on the sidelines exactly so <laughs> that's that's what's a little disappointing to me in that case and I think also another point that you brought up that was interesting is how an NFL player who's played football or their life is kind of uh, talked to by coaches and people who are trying to make them successful and how kind of they have this mindset of violence, right? And that violence makes them successful on the football field. And I don't know, maybe a little of that just trickles into their life and and that might be a part of the problem as well. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's... I don't know, you guys have said so much that I agree with, so I'm not going to feed a fed horse here, but (laughs) I'm not trying to make this a laughing matter, but I just, PETA put out a... feed a fed horse? Yeah, PETA put out a statement today that they want to stop with the, uh, you know, negative animal um, phrases that we use in common day, so I'm changing my ways with that, instead of saying, I don't want to beat a dead horse, I'm telling people that I don't want to feed a fed horse. 
But I agree with everything you guys said. I will just add, I think I was even mistaken about Tyreek Hill. I think that was... um, I think I was getting that confused with Derrick Rose, who we'll talk about a little bit later, because I think it was a criminal case with Tyreek Hill. Um, This is saying back when he was in college at Oklahoma State, he pled guilty to domestic assault and battery by strangulation um, with his then-pregnant girlfriend. Um, And he was sentenced to a year-long batterer's intervention program and a $500 fine. Um, and I'm a, it says if he avoids the trouble, cause this was an article from back when this happened, the case will be dismissed and there'll be no felony on his record. Um, so I'm assuming he went through that. Um, but it just goes to show how quickly we kind of forget about these things. Um, right. and these are just two players from one team and we could go down the list of players in the NFL. Um, if you've seen the documentary, The Hunting Ground, um, I'd recommend yeah. it. It's about sexual assault in college campuses. One person featured in that video was Jameis Winston, who at the time was a quarterback for Florida State. Um, he sexually assaulted one of his classmates and was drafted like months later. Um whatever third overall or something. I forget what it was, but so, and obviously he's still playing in the NFL now and has seen very little consequences. So, um, it's, I try to, for like the little, this doesn't really have any impact at all, but I just try to have like (laughs) players that I know who have, had domestic violence charges or sexual assault charges, they are banned from my fantasy football team. Um, yeah, I, I, me too, because I just, I want to root for my players. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I can't feel right about yeah. it. Do you want to just talk about Derrick Rose now while we're on the subject? I think it kind of sure ties in well with what we've Sure. Said. So um, we'll talk more about the basketball side of things with Derrick Rose later. Uh, sne- uh, sure. Spoiler alert. I went to the Timberwolves Celtics game over the weekend, which was incredible. And Derek Rose was playing. Uh, but that's, he's another example of somebody who we've mostly forgotten that there was any sort of allegations. Um, and so he was involved in a case where he and two other individuals were charged with sexual assault. Um, that one was the civil case. And uh, <clears throat> he demonstrated in court that he did not know what consent was they literally they literally asked him do you know what consent is and he said i don't know you tell me or yeah something like that he said no can you tell me and they said well we want to know if you know what it is and he said no so um if you're listening to this in southwest minnesota contact the southwest crisis center tell them hey we need some engaging speakers to come in and teach the young people that I know about consent and healthy relationships. Um, because is that engaging speaker? Yeah, you it's or? Me. that's one of the things that I do in my job. Um, it's one of those things that a lot of times people think that everyone just automatically understands consent, but really that's not the case. Um, it's something that people are very rarely taught, especially boys and young men are very rarely taught in school. It's very rarely included in like, the talk that you get from your parents. Um, 
so I encourage everyone to talk with young people and adults in their life about consent. Um, there's all sorts of videos out there. My favorite is from Planned Parenthood and they have a consent video series on YouTube that is very realistic and um, includes different types of relationships and shows like what consent is like in real life because we know that most of the time when people have sex, they don't say, hey, do you want to have sex with me? Yes, I do. Um, but there are a lot of other ways where you can just make sure that everyone is engaged and enthusiastic about what's going on. Everyone is informed. No one feels pressure or uncomfortable or feels like they have to go farther than they want to. And um, and it's having that communication piece about what exactly you would like to do, which makes it better for everybody anyways. So um, Derek Rose is another player who we've just kind of glossed over that part of his life and his experience. Um, and I think we we want to have a path where men can have some kind of redemption, um, but with that needs to come accountability. Um, mm-hmm. And so... I don't think it's the answer to just say, Hey, if you're a man and you've ever done this, like I'm going to shun you forever. Um, we need to have some way where men can be redeemed. But like I said, the first part of that is owning up to it. And for what it's worth, I did watch the interview, uh, between, between Kareem Hunt and Lisa Salters. Um, I thought Lisa did a really good job of kind of not letting Kareem dance around the questions. And, uh, mm-hmm. he did, you know, take responsibility for what happened. He said it was his fault. Um, he doesn't hold any grudge against the Chiefs. Obviously, he's kind of forced to say that because there's video evidence. And right. we didn't hear that, you know, the first time when the Chiefs were investigating. He didn't <laughs> own up to it then. So, we didn't hear that 10 months ago when it yeah. happened. So that's a meager, like, that's a very low bar to have. But it's better than nothing. And I appreciate at least that he didn't try to minimize his actions or try to like talk about how, you know, he was drunk and that's why it happened or whatever. Um, so it would be nice if we could get to that point with athletes too, where they actually own up to things. Um, and it's not just athletes. Like I'm saying, it's, it's men who perpetrate sexual violence all over the country. Um, but, that was one thing that I noticed about Kareem Hunt that I certainly have not heard from Derek Rose or many of the other athletes. You usually just get like a blanket apology that they type up or that their agent types and they post on Twitter, like whatever. Kyle, any thoughts on this? I mean, we've just listened to the expert for about, I don't know, 15 minutes or so and he said everything <laughs> that I agree with um, I mean we texted about it the day it happened briefly and like I said all our cons- all we all expressed basically the same feelings about it so um, I feel like if I were to say anything it would just be pretty repetitive because I agree with everything that was said yeah I think that <clears throat> I'll just say one final thing and that I was telling Seth this that you know when the Derek Rose thing happened I basically just I wasn't paying much attention and I saw that that it was not guilty and I just assumed our legal system did its job but then you know when you research further into it like 
you realize that he doesn't really know where consent is and that he what you know the legal system is just a little messed up in the way they handle it and really all the all his lawyer did was kind of slut shame the girl and not really offer any real evidence and you know it worked because he's rich so i don't know it's just you just have to be careful with things like that when you see a not guilty come through it's not always what you think it is so but let's go ahead and move on to other news from the nfl uh, a little happier news, at least for Packers fans, perhaps. Uh, I know several Packers fans, and they're all happy about this. Mike McCarthy got fired over the weekend, not just on Monday after the game, but directly after the game, which was a they little surprising, in, I think. They literally just asked him to come into the office. He had no clue what was happening. They told him he's fired. Donald trumped him and got out. <laughs> I think, if, see, it was it was interesting to me because I think a lot of us expect him to be fired after the season, right? And um, there's this kind of unwritten rule in the NFL where if you've won a Super Bowl or just, you know, had success with the team for many years, they let you at least play out the season, even if they're going to fire you, which I think is kind of bullshit, you know, yeah, and, and shouldn't be, yeah, and shouldn't be the way you handle it. But just to fire him right after the game was a little shocking. I mean, they did lose to the Cardinals, so that's a large reason why. And I think that he's. It seemed that he started to clash with Aaron Rodgers the last few years, even, and certainly it seems to come to a head this year. So, I mean, I think he's a a good coach, right? Nope. But okay, not at all. <laughs> How do you tell? Like, even in the NFL and the NBA, I feel like there's that top tier. Like in the NFL, we yeah. talk about Sean McVay and Matt Nagy, and maybe you know Jay Gruden or whoever. And then in the NBA, there's Pop and Brad Stevens and Rick Carlisle, maybe, and Dwayne Casey, maybe, you know. And then past that, I just have really a hard time figuring out how much coaches make an impact and who are the good ones mm-hmm. versus the mediocre ones. Sometimes you can tell the really shitty ones, but. so I feel like if you win a Super Bowl, you can't be a bad coach. Even if you have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's the thing, though. He, he's rode Aaron Rodgers' coattails Rodgers' whole career. And it's like, Hello. yeah, he has what? Does he have a Super Bowl to show for that, right? And Yeah, 2010. Yeah. It's just like, what else has he done to prove anything? This season, he's done absolutely nothing. He's actually, I'm pretty sure, been building a resume to be fired. <laughs> but, like, so <clears throat> prior to trading Ty Montgomery, they were they they had a basically a three man backfield with Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams, and statistically, the Packers when Aaron Jones were on the field were a far far superior team, mm-hmm. and people thought, oh, trading Ty Montgomery, what's going to happen? Finally, Aaron Jones will see the field more. And that's not what happened. He couldn't see the field before? No, he was blind almost. But <laughs> in the last game on Sunday, like I said, Aaron Jones is honestly would be considered a top-tier running back, in my opinion, if he got the workload that you know the other top-tier running backs, Saquon Barkley or Todd Gurley or Melvin Gordon, like them, get. But he doesn't get that because Mike McCarthy doesn't know what he's doing. Like I said, on Sunday, 
Aaron Jones played 39 snaps and had 15 touches. Jamal Williams, who's not good, saw 38 snaps and had 11 touches. Like, besides Aaron Rodgers and maybe Devontae and probably Devontae Adams, the next best person on your offense needs to be on that field as much as possible. And McCarthy wasn't doing that. Like, yeah. It, like, I have this split that I saw earlier of when Jones is on the field compared to when Jones is off the field. The explosive run percentage of the Packers is more than double that. Uh, it, so it's two and a half percent when he's off the field, but it's five and a half percent when he's on the field. It, I mean, run success rate is 15% higher as well. It's just the fact that he didn't know to use one of the best running backs in the NFL statistically as much as possible is just maddening. And he yeah, I think that's a fired. huge reason of. I think that's a huge reason why I was fired because now we all see that Aaron Jones is a, is a top. I me and you knew sitting on our couch that he was their best running back, right? Mm-hmm. So, and also I just love watching Seth walk up to the microphone, open a bag of cheese, and then walk away. <laughs> <laughs> just an update for everybody on the pizza. Um, so I made the dough a few hours ago. I rolled it very nice uh, into pizza shape at the beginning of the podcast put it in the oven to just cook that pre-cook you might say because you got to cook it for like 15 minutes it's pre-cook like pre-cum or um similar (laughs) parents listening with small children i hope you uh knew to (laughs) somehow knew to turn that off for a second mom turn off the anyways um (laughs) um so now i'm adding the cheese and the toppings and then i'm back in the oven for 15 minutes and then we strike. Uh, but I agree. Obviously, nice. Aaron Thank Jones you. is their best running back. Um, he's on one of my fantasy teams, so cheering for him. Nice grab. And uh, that's what Matthew Berry had been saying on the fantasy focus for years. So by years, I mean months. So I think also Rodgers hasn't looked great all year. Um, certainly not like he's Aaron Rodgers' self. So now there's no excuse, and I, I like to see him uh, to see how he plays the rest of the season. Can we move mm-hmm. on, though? Because I want to wrap up the NFL with Kyle. You telling us all about every detail of the Colts game that you went to. So this would have been a lot better to do prior to Sunday's game because this game, the game that I went to against uh, the Miami Dolphins, solidified my stance that Andrew Luck is 100% confirmed back uh, and might be better than he was before he left. Um, so... The game was awesome, obviously. I think every single stadium in the NFL or any sport that's played outdoors should be should have a dome, a, a revolving or revolving, not revolving, a retracting <laughs> ro- wolf. Like one of those wolf, revolving I said. restaurants. I'm not a dog. <laughs> I meant roof. My God. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I can go to that game, and I sat comfortably in like 65 degree temperature. Didn't have to worry about snow, you know. It's just, I don't understand why every team's not investing in such a thing. That's neither here nor there, I guess. Uh, Where is it then? Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so some of the, like, the the game was in- exciting the, the entire time. It was pretty back and forth. Um, one of the best parts, though, was at the end of the first half, something happened that I've never seen live, either on TV or in person. Um, mm-hmm. And there were back-to-back-to-back to back to back 
turnovers. Wow. Yes. So at the end of the first half, Luck was targeting. He was throwing a pass to, uh, I believe it was T.Y. Hilton, and got intercepted by Xavier Howard, who has been playing tremendous defense this year for Miami. Um, so Miami gets the ball back. Next play, they pass to our boy who we dropped, Mike Jasicki. Uh, boy. Eight yards. The dude fumbles the ball. Forced Thank God fumble, we dropped him. Recovered by the Colts. <laughs> Colts come back out on the field. Andrew Luck passes to the middle of the field and again is intercepted by Xavier Howard. Wow. I was ready. I was like, let's get a fourth. Let's do it. Uh, and then the Miami, uh, they took the field and just kneeled because they were done with that game. Um, <laughs> but uh, then the second half of the game starts and... Coming down to it is tied 24-24. The Colts were like at their 35, 40-yard line or something. And the two minute at the uh, two minutes left. And coming out of the two-minute warning, so this is what kind of like solidified to me personally seeing Andrew Luck is back. Like I said, the game's tied 24-24. And Luck takes a snap. The pocket collapses on him. He's getting pressured from behind, shakes that defender off, and is running Looks like he's going to run for a first down, but on the run, throws a beautiful 34-yard pass to the left side of the field to Chester Rogers to basically just mm. solidify the game. Uh, because mm. you got Adam Vinatieri, who basically is automatic and doesn't miss. Um, it was just incredible. I mean, like I said, Andrew Luck's back, in my opinion. Uh, and if... I mean, it sucks. They lost uh, Jack Doyle the, during the game, or at the end of the game who is out for the season now, um, who was pretty vital to their success, I feel like. Uh, obviously, we saw Ebron has been taking a lot more targets away from Doyle anyways, but being able to run two tight ends has been pivotal for the Colts, I feel like. But I don't know. It was just an awesome game, and every single stadium should have a roof. Let me ask you this. Was there a scenario where cows parachuted down from the roof? There was not. Um, there was. <laughs> there was, however, uh, I believe, what was it, a Simba cam, if I'm not mistaken, where people held their child like they were Simba yeah, uh, on the screen. I, I love those. And then a man <laughs> held another man as well. So that was a good time. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love to hear all that. I'm glad they also got shut out by the Jaguars. Um, uh, we don't have time to discuss <laughs> such a thing. Certainly not. Should we move on to the NBA, the National Basketball Association? You may have heard of it. Yes. So, Kyle, why don't we take the reins on this first news story? Let's do it. It's a man near and dear to our hearts. By near and Fred, dear, I mean neither here nor there. Fred the Void Hoidberg the void. Uh, was... F- <laughs> <laughs> was fired this week. Uh, my Let me give you my take here, Kyle. First of all, he's ass. We all know this. Second of all, I don't really understand why the timing of this necessarily because let's say that we're, we're tanking, which we should be, right? We should this be tanking point, for yeah. a high draft pick because we do not have much talent in our team. And we are rebuilding and we have a lot of young players. So let's <laughs> – I can't even talk while Seth is opening whatever rapper. He's opening. <laughs> The pizzas are in the oven, folks. So let's say... If you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, baby. I love when you talk to me like that. 
So let's say that they're tanking and they're trying to lose games, which they should be doing. Well, then he's doing a great job of that because yeah. he's coached us to like the second or third worst record in the league. Um, but then let's look at the other the other side of the coin. Let's say we're trying to win games. Well, we shouldn't be because that's delusional. We don't have any good players. So, I mean, I've heard some people say that maybe they want they did it now because they knew they wanted to, and it's a good excuse to do it while the team is losing, and so maybe we'll improve, and then they won't have as much of a chance to fire him and look good. But I don't know. It's just kind of odd to me. Okay, quick it's question before you respond. Yeah. Uh, Sam, do you say – you said Fred the Void Hoiberg. Do you call him Hoiberg? Because that's what you typed in our little. Oh, notes. does there no D in his name? There's no, There's no D, D in his, in his name. name. Well, there is a D in his name when I call him the Void. Oh, okay. So, I, I just wanted to point that out. Excellent. Great. Um, <laughs> what's interesting? What's kind of like interesting about this is the Bulls just got back like one of their, um, what should be a key franchise player going forward in Laurie Markkinen, mm-hmm. and it's like. He hasn't. Hoiberg had nothing. He couldn't do anything with one of your star players missing. I, I get it. He's young. We saw what he had the potential to do last year, but like it's a different team this year. Yeah, there's other injuries too, which Hoiberg can't prevent. But he's also just not a good coach. He might have been decent when he was what at Iowa State, but go ahead, go back to the to college, get paid be a decent coach at the college level but you can't he can't coach professionals so also jim boylan is our permanent head coach not even interim head coach yeah i saw that so i'm not sure do they think jim boylan who is either an nba coach or a member of uh one direction i'm not sure but do they think that he's going to lead us to more wins or do you, do they think that he's like better for developing our gun players or do you think that Oh, he's going to lose us more games? I don't really understand the thought there. I mean, you could just make him an interim head coach and then decide at the end of the season. Seems a bit odd to me. Yeah, uh, I was. I tried reading a little bit about this earlier, but I was in class and just not paying attention. So, um, to class? Yeah, I was going to say that too. Both. I was trying to pay attention to both, but in doing so, I was not paying attention to either. Got you know, it, they say it. if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. Questions? Yeah. That could be one of the uh, uh, the PETA sayings instead. The yeah. No, survive. you definitely can't yeah. say that. Oh, the rabbits <laughs> if you chase two rabbits, them. kill both. <laughs> if you chase two rabbits, kill both. Um, but, yeah, they feel like, one, uh, I saw reports on, like, he's not going to be expensive to keep as a coach, at least these early this year and early years next year, the year after, however long they end up keeping him. Um, and they think that he's going to bring more of like a competitive spirit to the team, which like you said, isn't something we need right now. Anyways, we might as well just tank and get RJ Barrett or Zion Williamson. Really? Anyone from Duke will be fine. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I mean, like you said, the bulls weren't really playing for anything. They have no defense now. Um, but tonight's game against Indy, they actually looked pretty decent. Surprisingly. Uh, I know you were at basketball, so you didn't watch the game, but um, besides some poor shooting, which you know could happen any night, um, I think his rotation was a lot better than what Hoiberg's been doing. Um, he 
he had what? He had a nine-man rotation. Um, so he's already, Boylan's already cutting it down. Um, I think Antonio Blakeney should be a part of that rotation, but he is not currently. And that was kind of Hoiberg's decision originally. So we'll see if that continues going on. But I think having Jabari Parker play big minutes off the bench, he's definitely not a start-worthy. Uh, he ha- he doesn't know how to play defense. But um, Laurie Markman re- looked really good, too. And did, as yeah. did Wendell Carter Jr. He looked really good tonight against Miles Turner. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think that there is some hope with the, the younger play on these, on these teams, especially the front court, right? And... Um, well, I guess I'll just see if the void left by the void. I think uh, one thing really though, makes a difference. One thing though to note is that um, Boylan was an assistant for the Spurs for a couple of years, so hopefully, you know, he brings some of that pop mentality. I think that's kind of the only thing you could hope for at this point. I yeah. I feel like my only explanation to this is that sometimes we forget about like how much personalities and ego and stuff like plays into this like maybe they just fired him because the owner they finally had their last argument and the owner was just like honestly screw it i'm done with this guy get him out of here right like well i think it doesn't really make sense logically because they should be tanking and they are were and like might as well just wait till the end of the year but maybe it was just like a personalities thing where the last straw uh had been taken and the owner was done with it. I don't know. That's speaking I mean, the front from office no is just idiotic as well. Like, yeah, Gar Foreman and John Paxson need to get up out of there too. But you can't do anything. Gar Pax. Yeah, the law firm of Gar Pax. Yeah. All right, let's move on, Seth. I want to hear every detail of the Wolf Celtics game, and if you spare a single detail, I send you back. All right. So I get there. I had the ticket on my phone. They scanned the barcode. Uh, I had to take this stuff out of okay, my pocket. Okay, I had to change my mind, leave out some details. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Celtics, Timberwolves. Uh, this was last Saturday. We're recording this on Tuesday, December 4th, so it was last Saturday. And um, Gordon Hayward had his best game of the season. He had like 38 and 9 or something like that. Yeah, he popped off. Um, but honestly, the whole game I was like complaining about how he was playing, which just goes to show you how much potential he really has and how much room for growth there is. He was being a good playmaker and for the most part like hitting his teammates with passes and um, his assist numbers speak to that. But... As we've been saying the whole year, he really needs to get more aggressive driving to the hoop. Um, and I was saying, I was with my friend Jack uh, watching, and I said to him while watching, it, I mean, it makes sense that he's not comfortable driving in traffic um, because... I'm not either. Yeah, I mean, roads get slippery in Minnesota. So, um, But <laughs> it makes sense that he's not comfortable getting to the basket and trying to score in a crowded lane because... That was that would be like the last thing you would do coming back from that injury, right? He's been shooting spot up threes for months, I'm sure, because you can shoot threes and and you know, at the beginning stages of your rehab. But so I'm I'm thinking he'll just get more comfortable with that as the year progresses, and 
there were just so many times where he's he would drive and he would also call for the pick and roll because he wasn't maybe doesn't have the explosiveness back yet to get past his defender and then he'd drive and he's just looking for the pass every time um he scored a a driving layup with like a minute 54 seconds left in the game and that was like oh my god finally he actually took it to the hoop um there was even another time where he drove in a little bit and kind of jumped up to pass and then realized that no one was open and he just landed and took the travel because he had no one to pass to and it's like wow they're starting to pick up that you're just passing now um (laughs) and yet with all that complaint he scored 30 and had a great game um off the bench so i think that was awesome um the other takeaway from the Wolves side is that Derek Rose is back. Um, and we talked about our thoughts on him from a holistic perspective earlier with the sexual assault case, but from a basketball perspective, I think he is legit back. Although I heard that he went like Oh, for five in yesterday's game or something. So yeah, he did not play well yesterday against Houston. So obviously he's not MVP Derek Rose back, but he's, like a starting level point guard, um, I would say. And Celtics have a pretty I good actually, defense, and he was basically scoring at will. I actually saw um, someone put the uh, like statistics <clears throat> so this far into the season for Derrick Rose this year compared to his MVP year, and he was pretty equivalent actually in almost every category to what he's doing now. Yeah. So he's definitely not as explosive as a player. Right. And like, you're not seeing those highlight dunks, which I think helped his MVP case, but yeah. So I think he's for sure better than Jeff Teague, best in the league. He was starting. He's also worse in the league. So, so is he the boat or the woat? I mean, you know, Tibbs should get his act together on many things, but I would probably be starting Derek Rose. I mean, I guess there could be some value to having him come in off the bench. Um, but definitely like playing him in crunch time, which most of the time I think he is. Um, but the Wolves look way better without Jimmy Butler. Uh, Rocco was solid. A lot of that has to do um, with Covington. I think Dario really played not very much. Uh, there was one timeout in the fourth quarter, um, and the players were kind of just waiting to get back on the court. And we saw Andrew Wiggins and Cat were just like sitting on the scores table and Dario was like running laps like back and forth <laughs> to get his legs warmed up. Um, which shows he that 20 minutes he was game. still cold um, and shows that, you know, maybe Wiggins could try a little bit harder. Um, he, <laughs> Jack is a Tim Wolves fan. And, and so he was not, he's not the biggest Andrew Wiggins fan. And we talked about how, Obviously, it's a horrible contract, and um, he's been a disappointment overall. But I think those two players need to be – well, Cat needs to be more aggressive. Wiggins needs to stop shooting contested long-range twos. And uh, Derek Rose needs to be the playmaker in Minnesota um, when the ball is not moving through Cat. So if they could do that, I think the, the T-Wolves would be a playoff team for sure. Uh, first question, though, um, 
Do you think that Brad Stevens heard our podcast when we said that he should send Gordon Hayward to the bench a couple weeks ago? Oh, I sent it to him, so he must have. Actually, he's he's sitting next to me right now. I don't know if you guys knew. Oh, hey, Brad. I didn't. Yeah, he's just he's he's a little shy. He doesn't want to say anything. <laughs> so I think are they starting Covington and Wiggins? Yeah. Yeah. Just don't start Wiggins. <laughs> don't just play start Covington. Wiggins. Just start Covington and Dario. Don't even start Dario. Start Derrick Rose. <laughs> just play Honestly, with four. They're playing cut Wiggins at the, at, at the shooting guard <laughs> position anyways. What you're going to do is you're going to cut Dario, kill Wiggins. You should be fine then. I mean, if I'm coaches, Wiggins and Teague probably just don't see the floor. And it's just Tyus, <laughs> Jones, and Tyus Jones, point guard, Derrick Rose, shooting guard. You got the defensive Tyus, the offensive prowess of Derrick Rose. Covington does both on each end. Cat can't do anything defensively, but he could score. And that's what you have Taj Gibson for to guard the I mean he can't guard much either, but you get what I'm saying. Throw Gorgie that's the in ideal there. lineup in Minnesota. Yeah. Gorgie like doesn't play anymore. I like Gorgie though, for some reason. I'm not really sure. Have you ever seen him miss a mid range shot? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Alright, so <laughs> do you guys want to move on to the last segment of this podcast? Might as well. I mean, what's stopping us, am I right? So we wanted to discuss, we're about a quarter of the way through the NBA season, give or take, right? And we wanted to discuss who we think is lead the leading candidate for each of the NBA end-of-season awards right now as we currently stand. So let's start with MVP, because that's the most interesting one, probably. Um, I might pick my shock you. I think it's one of two shocked? players. Your pick so, is either Giannis or Davis. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, it's Joel Embiid. Oh my god. Okay. Did I mostly pick him because I knew neither of you would? Yes. But let me just make the case. <clears throat> when Embiid is off the court and Simmons is on the court. But keep in mind they can both see the court at this point. <laughs> but the, the 76ers do very poorly. But when, uh, when Simmons is on the court and Embiid... When Simmons is off the court and Embiid is on, they, <laughs> Kyle's getting confused already. When Embiid's on the court and Simmons is off, they do very well. And he's also averaging Shaq-like numbers. He's averaging 20 and 13, a um, couple blocks a game as well. He's the anchor of their defense. He he has an inside post game that's pretty much unstoppable. He can shoot the three as well, maybe not as well as he thinks he can. But I think that if the – and, you know – Jimmy Butler may start to eat into this a little more, certainly. And you could also make the case that Jimmy takes a lot of the the clutch shots at the end of the game, right? But I, he's just been so unstoppable this season. And if they if they snag the one seed, that's kind of a narrative that I think a lot of voters will will buy into. Gun to my head, is Giannis the MVP? Of course. But I figured we'd all pick. I figured we'd all pick him, so I just kind of tried to make the case for someone else. Did you pick him, Seth? Because I picked him. Well, Seth didn't prepare for this podcast, as you know. <laughs> for me, it's a question, as always. What does an MVP mean? Oh my god! <laughs> so, if you're asking me, who is the most valuable player in, in the NBA? In meaning, like, who would I take to start? 
a team or who has had the most outstanding season, right? So I'm going to stop you right here. What we're going to be discussing is who has having the most outstanding season because that's what the award is. If it was, if the award was actually most valuable player, I'm guessing you would pick the player that uh, left a team and the team that was four <laughs> wins when they made the finals last year. Yeah, and also is going to take his new team to the playoffs for the first time in you know six years. Uh, it's LeBron James. I don't know if you've heard of him. But this is a regular season award. He also hasn't been trying that much, and it's just you know what it is. It's what's the best narrative of the season. So we're just gonna have to accept that and kind of go with those parameters. I think. Yeah, that's fair. According to the parameters that the precedent of the NBA has set when discussing or indicating what the requirements for this award would be. I Oh my god, that was so long. I almost fell asleep during when you were talking. Almost. I don't even know what he said. I will take Anthony Davis solely because he's on my fantasy basketball team. That's a fair case. <laughs> um I think yeah, I think it's a toss up between Giannis and A D. Uh Giannis does amazing things. Uh both of them and Embiid for sure have like the stats that you could back up a case for them. Um I think Embiid probably has the strongest supporting cast of any of those three. Mm-hmm. You could argue between Milwaukee and New Orleans. You've got Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Um, the Bucks maybe have a little bit more depth and um, better coach, I would say. So that might lean me towards Anthony Davis. On the other hand, I think Bucks have a much probably have a better record right but pelicans are way playing better, in the yeah. west way better so but i think that i mean the pelicans are at 12 and 13 right now and in the 11th spot and while there's only a few games between 11th and you know making the playoffs that could be a problem right if they if they miss the playoffs or have a very low seat i don't think he's going to get the votes if we're projecting who is going to be the mvp i would say it's probably Giannis. I'd have to say it's Giannis, too. I mean, that's who I chose as my quarter of the way through the NBA MVP. Giannis, I mean, he's just, like, he's fourth best in the NBA in, like, win shares. So you take him off the team, and this team basically isn't able to do pretty much anything, which is pretty outstanding considering he doesn't really have an outside jump shot. Mm -hmm. Um but he's still, like, the defense basically takes that away from him, right? You know that he's going to the rim. Even if it's a one-on-three, no one can stop him. It's just, he has, I think, the highest, uh, like, efficiency rating in the NBA, too, which uh, has to do with the amount of shots that he takes at the rim, which is, I think, almost... Well, what was that thing that you sent the other day? Um, where it was just Oh, my Jonas's God, that was face. great. So there is, it was a, a breakdown of who's the leading scorer from each area of the yeah, court. Yeah. And so, like, the three-point line was broken into, I think, four sections. Mid-range was broken into four. And then there's just the paint. And just there was a picture of each player who was leading the scoring. And Giannis's smiling face was just the rim. And I just loved it. Wasn't it, like, just around the basket? Not the whole paint? Or no? Yeah. I mean, it was within, like, the restricted area, maybe? Yeah. It was the str- Yeah, that's what it was. Either way, I just think he's way too valuable for his team. Like, 
I don't think that if you took him off the team, uh, the Bucks would not nearly have as good of a record as if you were to, say, take Anthony Davis off the Pelicans. Yeah. Do you guys think that um, would Steph the, would be one of the front runners if would the sorry, Pelicans I, win any games without Anthony Davis playing in the West? Yeah, I mean they would. The Drew Holiday banned. I mean Drew Holiday, you got him. Julius Randle has looked incredible so That's far true. this year. Um, honestly, if we had a Most Improved Player uh, award that we were giving out today, I would consider him highly for that. Uh, Aren't we doing that? Do we have a Most Improved Player? Oh yeah, we do. You're right. So, <laughs> spoilers. I wonder who Kyle's considering highly. There was, I considered him <laughs> highly. Yeah, I forgot that we had that. Like I said, I was in class when I did this. But you got him. Um, Nico uh, can't defend anyone, but I mean, the man's been shooting great this year. I just think all around, like you said, Anthony Davis has a much better supporting cast. Yeah, I think I would take I would take take Drew Julius and Nico over like Chris uh, Bledsoe. And Brooke or whoever maybe you think their their fourth best player is. Um, I, what I was gonna say was, do you guys think Steph would be a front runner for this if he had not missed any games? And is it even possible for him to win another MVP with Kevin Durant there? I don't think he's in the in the running. I don't think he would be. I mean, it depends on how well he played in those games that he actually missed in real life uh oh i was actually considering him averaging 50 points a game for the games that he did miss in that case i think he would be in the running <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but yeah i mean if he shoot if he's shooting like above 45 percent from three for instance i think he'd have a shot for sure um a three-point yeah, shot and he say. was averaging like <laughs> he was averaging you know 30 yeah. points a game before but yeah, it's gonna be tough. As long as Steph and Katie are playing together, it's gonna be very tough for either of them to get the MVP, unless the other one is injured for a huge part of the season or something. I don't mean to alarm you, but Steph is averaging um, <clears throat> currently thirty points, six assists, five rebounds, shooting fifty-two percent from the field, forty-nine percent from three, and ninety-four percent from the free throw line, with a PER of twenty-eight. So it's decent. if someone named Kevin Durant wasn't on his team, I think he'd definitely be the front runner for this. Yeah, but that's a very specific hypothetical that's not going to happen this year. You know, I, I thrive on specific hypotheticals. <laughs> I just want to bring it up as a little devil's advocate, a little, just mixing it up a little bit, getting in there. Uh, do you guys want to move on to uh, Rookie of the Year? Because yes, I would like to. I want to just gush about who we probably all pick for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Luka Doncic, I think I'm in love with him. Um, he's he's a little thick, and he has superstar qualities, which you know is what I love in a player. Um, he watching this first of all, it really makes me angry watching him and Dennis Smith Jr. on the court at the same time because I just really want Luka to be handling the ball the whole time, and it's a little upsetting watching Dennis Smith Jr. barf up a a bad layup on a pick and roll when I could just be watching Luka Doncic kind of shimmy his way into into the lane, you know? Um, but he's really got everything. He's got a post-up game on smaller players. He's got, like, the James Harden hesitation, deceleration, acceleration game that that um, that leaves defenders baffled. Uh, he, I don't know, he just looks like he's a grizzled veteran out there making tough shots and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just been great to watch him play. 
it feels to me a little bit like last year when we had Ben Simmons, who really wasn't, well, technically was a rookie, but had spent his whole first year on an NBA team, even though he wasn't playing, mm-hmm. but he was still learning and working out and doing all the stuff, right? And Luca has been playing professionally already and been playing full length seasons. So it feels like he's not even a rookie, even though he is. Um, but yeah, I think he's the front runner for rookie of the year. And I'm excited once Dirk Nowitzki gets back uh, to see those two and to see Luca just learn from Dirk. I've been to his house, by the way. Dirk's not Luca's. Okay, his driveway, but still. He also peed in Carmelo Anthony's urinal. The same urinal that Carmelo Anthony had once peed in, you might say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys on Doncic. Um, I think I wish I could find it. I just looked, but um, I can't right now. But uh, statistically, I'm pretty sure so far, um, Doncic's numbers are like equivalent to LeBron's or even better in a decent amount of categories in LeBron's rookie season. And I think that speaks leaps and bounds to what he can do. Um, Like you said, watching him is just always electric. Like he's not the fastest guy on the court, but I like when he gets cocky and he starts showing off his ball handling skills and he's just shaking defenders and then he'll pull up a a jump, a three point shot from like four feet behind the arc and just splash it. It's so pretty. Mm. It's pretty. Really gets me going. Yeah, I I also want to make the point too that like, so we often say that to really contend for a championship in the NBA, you have to either tank or uh, you have to get a superstar free agent, right? And the Mavericks have been very averse to tanking in their history with Mark Cuban as their owner. They did a little bit last year, which what got them Luka Doncic. But now I think when you have an incredible player like this, it's much easier to lure a superstar player to play with him in Dallas. So I think that's something to look for going forward. Um, Let's move on to defensive player of the year. What are you guys' thoughts? My, um, I'm pretty sure, I have no clue what you guys are thinking on this. This is probably the one that I thought about the most. Um, Yeah, agreed. But I'm going with Robert Covington as defensive player of the year. Wow, that's the same thing I went with. Did you? Really? Yeah, one mind, one dream, baby. Ever since we owned in the fantasy team together, we've melded into one mind. Yeah, this is 100% true. So, some, um, <laughs> uh, where's this at here? Oh, um, so, my main reason for for picking him um, is basically just his impact so far with the Wolves on the court. And I think he's being, like I said, he would be overlooked uh, by a lot of people. Um, so, before the trade... And before going to the Wolves, the Wolves had a defensive rating uh, of 113.9, which was 30th in the NBA. But with Robert Covington coming and being, not like that, coming over and uh, (laughs) being on the floor, uh, the Wolves have been the second best team in the defensive rating category in the NBA, which is outstanding. I mean, there you go right (laughs) there. Shot him to the top. He's number two in the league in deflections per game, number one in steals number 16 in blocks like he's just like on top of every single category and then on top of that when opponents shoot and they're guarded by him they shoot 9.8 percent worse than what they do against the average competition 
Yeah, I was my my case for Roko was that I feel like we often we often give this award to a big man that protects the rim, right? But often, you know, that big man is is poor on switches when he has to go out to the three point line and defend a, a ball handler, right, on the pick and roll. And I'm thinking kind of like Rudy Gobert type, right? Yeah. Where in the pl- in the playoffs you almost have to take him out because they just they just pick on him on the pick and roll every time. And in today's NBA, you have to be able to switch on the wing, which is like why I like giving this award to a switchable ring like Kawhi or Rocco, um, or even a big who can defend the perimeter better like Draymond. I think, you know, in the the way that basketball is played today, that's more critical in my mind than just straight up rim, rim protection. So that's the reason I kind of lean toward a wing player like that. Well, obviously, y'all both picked Rocco, so I have to go with somebody else. Good thing I didn't prepare for this, so I Actually. wouldn't have picked anybody beforehand. <laughs> um, and I have rock-solid reasoning behind my opinion, which is Marcus Smart. Mm. And I'll tell you why. When I was at the game on Saturday... Because he's a Boston Celtics he fan. He plays for the Celtics. <laughs> I don't know if you knew. And when I was at the game on Saturday against the Timberwolves, there was a play when there's a couple different screens, and uh, Terry Rozier got stuck... Um, guarding Cat in the post. Um, Cat didn't have the ball yet. And so Marcus Smart was down in the in that area, and he's like, oh, quick, switch with me. So Terry and Marcus Smart switched so that Smart was guarding Carl Anthony Towns in the post. And it's like yeah, yeah. both of those players are just as small. Marcus Smart is like six inches shorter than Cat. But I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. He could probably hold his own against Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so I think he's one of the rare players who, um, you know, we talk about those versatile wings who are able to guard five positions and Marcus smart is kind of like that, but a guard who can guard pretty much anybody. Um, also just the energy he brings once we put him in the starting lineup, uh, he really, I think changed and for the better, the Celtics demeanor and energy, um, on both sides of the court as well, but particularly defensively, uh, I think the Celtics right now are like second behind the Thunder in defensive rating as a team, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Marcus. So I'll throw him in there as my dark horse candidate. Basically, what you just me. explained was a poor man's Robert Covington, though. But that's all. <laughs> with a rich man's bad decision making by jacking up threes when we don't want him to shoot. So that's really what I'm looking for for my and that's really, player of the year. That's really good, where he good. shows his value, yeah. Um, let's really breeze through these last three categories since we're already over an hour, and who really wants to listen to us talk for over an hour? I certainly Everyone. don't. Um, Coach of the year, uh, dare I say Doc Rivers and his level of gang of competent NBA players would be my pick. Um, he... Uh, he seems to have stopped playing golf 12 hours a day and started to do his job. And it's funny because we we like often talk about Doc as that he's good with veteran players, right? But he is sometimes poor with younger players. And he has this team of a, kind of a mix, right, of younger players and then competent veterans. And he's done great with them. They're tied for first in the West. How long it sustains, I don't know, but there's just not a bad player in this team. And, and I think he's coached them up well, so... That's fair. He was my second choice um, behind Mike Malone. Uh, I think, like we've we've talked before about the uh, the Nuggets and 
their kind of transformation, especially on the defensive end, which has really solidified them for me as one of the top teams in the West. Um, and that was pretty evident, I feel like, uh, last was it last night or two nights ago when they played Toronto. Um, really close game. I mean, they lost Gary Harris early on, so they didn't even have his scoring to rely on. But the bench came in, and Malik Beasley has been doing really well. Um, but I think what it comes down to is Mike Malone, like I said on the uh, podcast a couple podcasts ago, uh, before the season coming together and figuring out, sitting down to figure out what the team needs to do to get better, which was improved defense, starting with Jokic and... <laughs> That's exactly what he went out and did, and now they're reaping the rewards. Kyle, let me ask you this. Does your jock itch? No, but I got some big honey in the back, if you know what I mean. (laughs) What could he mean by that? Uh, I, just because it would be hilarious if this player, if this coach actually won, um, we'll say Dwayne Casey, uh, who honestly has been doing a great job with the Pistons. They're definitely outperforming what I expected. Blake Griffin seems to actually be playing like a star again. And, uh, yeah, he won it last year right before or right after the Raptors fired him. So now he'll just go to another team and win it again. Right back, baby. Um, Let's quickly go over six man of the year. Seth, why don't you start since you didn't prepare Give me Montrezl. (laughs) I know it's a silent L. Harrell. That's my pick too, baby. I, I, we've talked about Stogie boys, but that's a skull dog boy for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, he has dreads first of all. So right. already the key to my heart. And uh, he's kind of like a big man version of Marcus Smart, honestly. He does all the gritty things. Except he provides offense. And he actually makes smart decisions on offense. Ha! <laughs> smart decisions. Get it? I don't because get it. Because that's his last name, Marcus. Montre- Give me Trez. I'm looking at Montrez's stats right now, and the man has a PER of 27. That's player efficiency rating, and uh, 27 is usually like a superstar number. <laughs> he's averaging 17 and 8, and he's averaging, I think, almost two blocks a game. And, yeah, he just he just comes off the bench and just – it's a burst of energy for the Clippers. Yep. Kyle, did That's you were you going to take though. him as well? Oh, okay. Oh uh, no, he was my he was my runner up to uh, my boy Demontis Sabonis out of Ooh, Indiana. That's a great pick. Um, I don't know. Like we talked before, again, uh, why is he not starting? But this is the sixth man of the year award. He's the sixth man off or the first man off the bench, sixth man on the court. <laughs> some might say, um, and I mean he's just he's kind of the backbone for the team, honestly. When he's on the court, the team goes as Sabonis goes, and that's he's, beautiful. Yeah, he's in all facets. He's been playing extremely well. Being in Indiana, I've probably watched more Pacers games than I'd like to say, um, <laughs> but actually, this year it's been enjoyable. So I'm excited to see what happens when they bring Oladipo back. Uh, we'll see how that kind of affects Sabonis because he hasn't at the beginning of the season wasn't touching the ball as much when they were both on the court together. But, um, yeah, he's, like I said, he's the backbone of the team right now. And that's why he's my pick. But Montrez was a close second. You know who, yeah. I, who I hope that's a good pick. win six man of the year 
is Gordon Hayward because I hope yeah. he continues to come off the bench and continues to score 30 and get nine rebounds and eight assists or whatever it was. I well, think yeah. D. Rose is in the, should be in the yeah. discussion too. Yeah. He keeps coming off the bench. Yeah. I mean, he's scoring 19 points per game and shooting 50% from three, so if he keeps that up, he definitely... They're also averaging 113 points per 100 possessions with him on the court and, like, less than 100 without him, which is crazy, honestly. Has there ever so. been an MVP that's won six man of the year within five years or something? Hmm. I think Bill Walton did. I think Bill Walton did. Fair. But that's about That makes it. sense. But, yeah, that would be interesting to see. Um, okay, let's do our last award here, most improved player of the year. Uh, I'm going to pick... The star of the fantasy basketball team, the best in the app, Nikola Vucevic, baby. This man is on a tear. I look at the box score every night, and he's getting like 30 and 15. For the last like 10 games, he's averaging, I don't even know. I'm just going to make up stats because that's what I do. Like (laughs) 25 and 15, it seems. Wasn't Aaron Gordon out in those games? He was out with gout, yes, correct. Uh, But he's definitely... I mean, this is a player that, you know, they wanted Mo Bamba to get more playing time, and you might have thought that his minutes would fade, but he's just on a tear recently, and if he keeps it up, I think he's definitely in the conversation. I just want to pick him because that was my fantasy team, though, of course. Love Vooch. Um, thinking off the top of my head as we speak, I would probably say Derek Rose, and we've already talked about him, but... Yeah, it's a good call. Good call. Kyle? Yeah, if you're comparing him to last year, he's definitely the one of the most improved players. Uh, that is the award, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, like I said before, highly contemplated Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. However, we're going, we're taking this to Sacramento. I got to say Deer and mm, Fox. That's a good one that's too. Great call. I mean, he's just been incredible this year. The first man, uh, basically for, for the Kings and like, like Sabonis, they go as he goes, pretty much. If he's not doing anything, Willie Cauley-Stein's not making shots. He can't create his own shots. So um, I think he's just he's, he's the most improved player in my mind. I think that's a wide-open race, and I also think the sixth man of the year is going to be interesting because we don't have our normal, our Lou Williamses, our Jamal Crawfords, our Eric Gordons aren't really in the mix, right? We have some new blood there, so that'll be, that'll be interesting to follow. Our sixth man of the year so far have been pretty much just forwards, big men. I feel like usually yeah. it's a guard that comes off the bench and provides scoring, but now we got right. we got these players that are contributing in much other ca- a lot of other categories. Yeah, it's cool to see. All right, so that's that's all we got for this episode. Any final thoughts, boys? I just say that to piss Seth off because he never has any. Uh, <laughs> Seth most likely has no final thoughts, uh, but I will say. <laughs> was an incredible podcast for NFL and NBA. We definitely fed two birds with one scone there. <laughs> Shout out to PETA, baby. I'm doing it for them. Uh, Seth, final thoughts? Final thoughts are I'm excited to eat this pizza. It's out of the oven. It's all done. Um, PETA will be happy that the only um, meat that was used is... Uh, organic no antibiotics ever humanely raised applegate natural pepperoni <laughs> oh my god that was so many <laughs> words so um yeah i'm pretty excited i made two full pizzas for lunches for the rest of the week um 
So yeah, this has been, as always, the podcast that no one asked for, no one needed, and no one deserved. Goodbye to our five listeners. Peace out. Bye. Peace.